indeed faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All that I've needed, his hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, God, unto thee. Good morning, everybody. I have misplaced my advance. Oh, no, I didn't. It's in my other pocket. <laughs> it is Palm Sunday. And uh, on this day, we don't want to forget that this was a day thousands of years ago that our Savior triumphantly rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the people who were his friends, the people who were loyal to him, the people who praised and acknowledged him as the Lord and Savior, lined the streets with palms as he rode in on that donkey. The same people who shouted Hosanna less than a week later were shouting crucify him. And we try to wonder sometimes in our lives, how is it that these people on one day could be so excited and grateful and thanking God and the next day shouting crucify him? But our lives are living reflections of that dichotomy. That one minute we are grateful and thankful for God that we can sing his praises and acknowledge everything that he's done in our lives. And then turn around and go do wretched things that don't even reflect the Lord as our Lord and Savior. It's the crucify him. We will choose our flesh over our Savior. So we have to remember that as we proceed through this life, that God is God no matter what. And even when we turn our backs on him, he is still God. But there's a lesson for us as we go through and understand what it means as we continue in this series, the friendship goals of having people in our lives that matter, people who are dedicated to us. And so, Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor that is due you. And thank you for being our God. We thank you for sending your son to die for a wretched folk, a stiff-necked folk, people who would turn their back on you in a second, God. But we thank you, and we thank you for the redemption power that we know that this time next week we will celebrate and acknowledge the day of his, our Savior rising from the dead, conquering death forever, securing our salvation with you as long as we choose you. So, God, we ask that you touch each and every heart in this place, each and every heart that will listen to the podcast, those people who are watching the stream over the Internet. We ask that you touch them right now in a supernatural way to give them the healing and the balance in their mind in a way that will work and acknowledge you and only you as the sovereign God. We ask a special blessing on those who are in hospital beds, those behind jailhouse walls, those, those out on the street corners selling their bodies, those in the alleys injecting things into their veins. And for those who have no pillow to lay their head or food to eat, we ask God that you touch in a way. Let them not be alone. And let the people of God do what is necessary to fulfill your mission on this earth. We ask God as we move forward that you will be present with us, that you will be lifted and glorified, that people will only see you reflecting in our lives. We ask these blessings and many more in your son Jesus Christ's name that we do pray and believe. Amen. Amen. So 
as we get started this morning, well, welcome again. Uh, good, so glad to see everybody here this morning, uh, as well as our visitors from Japan. So glad that you guys were able to uh, not only come to visit us in the United States, but decide to come over here in Carson, California and spend a little time with us. Uh, for those who didn't get a chance, the Petites didn't get a chance to meet them. Uh, this is my Aunt Kay's nephew and his fiance. And so we just uh, pray God's blessing upon your lives and your marriage that you will be in prosperity and happiness and love uh, until the days come to an end. Uh, that God just bless you mightily. And so we thank you for your presence. Uh, but as we move forward and continue in this series of friendship goals, uh, remember uh, how important it was to choose friends. This is one of the scriptures that we, we referenced early in the series, the Gospel of Mark. Uh, and, and we read in through verse 13, uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 13 through 15 and verse 19. It says that he went up on the mountain and he called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him, that they might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. This is Jesus choosing the people that he wanted to be within his inner circle. And verse 19 even acknowledges after they went through and listed everybody else in 19 says, and, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. They acknowledge him specifically and also his role uh, in the life of Jesus that he was going to betray him. It really just kind of gives you a, 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 a glimpse into the fact that all of our friends are not really friends. Some people that we acknowledge as friends are backstabbers, not loyal at all. Uh, and, and you know me, I mean, I grew up in the, uh, the, the, throughout the 70s and the 80s became a man, but hip hop was always something that was very special to me. And uh, one of the groups that I remember when I was uh, starting college, I think they, that was about the college years, uh, Houdini, and they had a song they called Friends. And, and it was a very poignant song because they're asking the question, how many of us really and truly have friends, friends you can depend on? And, uh, and one of the, the lines of the, of the song says, uh, talks about homeboys through the summer, winter, spring, and fall, and then there's some we wish we never knew at all. Those are the Judases that are in your lives. As I said, and, and this list goes on again and again, but these are the people that we call friends. It is something to understand that when you have people in your life, it, homeboys through the summer, winter, spring, and fall, I mean, they've been with you the whole time. And we have those friends that we wish we never even knew. We have people we wish we never knew. People that we wish had never come into contact with. Uh, but these are the people we call friends. We, we use this word very lightly. That people of our friends is just as easily, as lightly as we tell people we love them that we don't even like. And we'll call people friends. But it is so vitally important to understand that when we have people in our lives that we want to acknowledge and consider them our friends, that they truly are Friends. So we go to the Old Testament to see what a real friend is about. We go to Ruth, the book of Ruth, the first chapter, and I'm going to highlight verse 16 through 17. It says, But Ruth said, Entreat me to not leave you or turn back from you following, from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. 
Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. That's Ruth talking to her mother-in-law, Naomi. That she is just lost, where Naomi had just lost her husband and her sons, which was one was Ruth's husband. And she says, I'm not going back to my people. I'm going with you. Where you go, I go. Wherever you sleep, I sleep. Wherever you go to church, I'm going with you too. And when you die, I'm going to die there with you. And if I violate any of those words, may God do whatever it is to me. If anything except death separates us. That is a powerful pledge of a person, one person to another of dedication and loyalty. And so we continue with the series Friendship Goals, but this is particularly my A1 since day one. We know that phrase. We've heard people say it all the time. It's my A1 from day one. This is my ride or die. This is my boy. He's been with me forever. And if you remember when we talked in the series, Walter Winchell said, a real friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. We have this, this situation with Naomi. She and her husband were living in a land of promise. They, they were Israelites and they lived in the land of promise that God had delivered all these people from Egypt to the land of promise. But because there was a famine, uh, they decided to take matters in their own hands instead of trusting God. They went back to a different place that was not territory uh, destined for them. This was not the place of promise, but they go to Moab. Naomi, her husband, and her two sons. And according to the law, they were only supposed to be uh, interacting with Israelites and only marrying Israelites. But when they got to Moab, their sons fell in love with two women and married them. And when her husband died and her two sons died, now Naomi feels, I need to go back to my people. I'm going back to my land. To my God, I've been living here in L.A. all this time and hanging out in Hollywood and seeing the Hollywood stars and the signs. But now I got to go back to my people. And Orpah, the one daughter, and, and Ruth were going with her. And Naomi tells them to go back. You don't need to come with me. You need to stay with your people. Orpah says, all right, I'm out. Give you a hug. It's been real. Shed a tear, tear. But I'm out. But Ruth said, where you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. I know I'm from Moab, but I'm going where your people are because I am with you to the end. A real friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. Orpah left, but Ruth stayed. When we understand about loyalty, A1 from day one equals a loyal friend. But our loyalty should ultimately be pledged to God first. Yeah. See, too many of us get this idea that we're just going to do whatever it is we want. You, my boy, I'm loyal to you. I'm loyal to my fraternity. I'm loyal to my church. I'm loyal to my family. And God is not part of that. Loyalty should be ultimately pledged to God first. Because out of the healthy, growing relationship with God will flow the wisdom and insight to choose the right people that are supposed to be in your life. 
You ever wonder when we hear these people talk about these toxic relationships they have? Sometimes it's family, other times it's friends. The toxicity comes because we're doing it on our own. No healthy relationship with God. No pledge to God to be his loyal servant. No pledge to God to serve him to the day you die. So we have no connection with him and no basis to understand what it takes to form a healthy relationship with each other. Because we have no vertical relationship with him. And then consequently, we have these raggedy people in our lives. Loyalty is a strong feeling of support or allegiance. Faithfulness, devotion, dependability, commitment, dedication, and so on. This is what it means to be loyal. And we know people who are loyal, they, they, they come to church every week, but they aren't loyal to the church. Because as soon as something else pops up, they're out. Not that church makes you any better than anybody else, but you have to be dedicated to something. You have to be dedicated to God. Where is your faithfulness and your devotion to daily prayer and meditation? Where is your, your, your dependability and reliability to always be where you say you're going to be with the people that you love and support? And honest ask for yourselves, what am I loyal to? Am I loyal to the things that I want or to the things that God requires me to be loyal? Who am I loyal to? Am I loyal to people who are outside of my family or am I loyal to my wife and my kids or my husband and my children or am I loyal to my family? Then how do I show loyalty? Do they, people can count on me when they need me? Or I can't be bothered. You have to remember that when you want something from people, you have to be at first. Be before you expect. You can't expect loyalty if you're not willing to be loyal. You can't expect uh, uh, forgiveness if you can't forgive. You can't expect people to show mercy if you're not merciful. Be before you expect. Henry Cloud, Dr. Henry Cloud and, and Dr. John Townsend wrote a book called Safe People talking about the, the types of people who we have in our lives. Some people are safe and some are not. But when you realize that you are not a safe person, the first thing you have to do is correct the things with, within you that jeopardize your security, relational security. If my habits are endangering my relationships with people, then I need to correct those. And when you do that, then, number two, you can become a safe person yourself. Uh, they had this quote, so we choose people based on an outward appearance and then experience the inside of them. We look at worldly success, charm, looks, humor, status, and education, talents, and giftedness, or religious activity. But then we experience the pain of being in a real relationship with them and come up very empty-handed. Just remember that, that, that saying that all that glitters ain't gold? You see these, these boxes, you remember as a kid, Christmas time comes and you got the packages under the tree and there's this one big old box and it looks so pretty. It's got the pretty wrapping and the big bow on it and you're so excited because you know that's something good. Probably nine, ten years old, maybe eleven, you're excited, this big old box, that's the gift I want and you open it up in this pajamas. <laughs> 
empty-handed. You got a gift, but it wasn't what you expected. But with people, we see it's we look at worldly success, charms, oh, they're so good-looking, oh, they're so funny, and, and where they are in life and realize that we don't even like them because there's nothing inside. We're looking at all the trappings and all the things external that people, human beings, deem as valuable. And it turns out they are devoid of any soul. And it says we come up empty-handed because now, once we've gotten to this gift and we've taken off the wrapper and unwrapped it and taken off the pretty bow and set it to the side and the paper's thrown on the other side of the room and you see there's nothing to this person. We see that in the Bible in 1 Samuel 16. Uh, they, they, the people wanted a king and they picked Saul. Saul was chosen because Saul was big and tall, bigger than everybody else. He was good looking. But when he failed, he was empty inside. There was nothing there. God said, I'm going to choose my own king for you. And he sends Samuel to, to Jesse's house. He said, bring your boys in here because today we're going to anoint a new king. And as these boys come and Samuel sees some of them, he's thinking he's got to be in this group because there's some good looking brothers here. And, and the Lord says he'll take no notice of his looks or his height. He is not the one, for the eternal one does not pay attention to what humans value. Humans only care about the external appearance, but the eternal considers the internal character. What's inside, I don't care about the wrapping on the Christmas gift. What I care, what's inside. Is this person a good person? Do they have a decent heart? Are they loving, forgiving? Are they merciful? Are they going to be loyal and dependable, serving me, not me individual, serving God? This is God telling the Samuel, I don't care what you think a king should look like. I'm going to tell you what a king is because the king has my heart. His internal parts are reflected of me. When you see him, you see me. And therefore, whatever's on the outside is irrelevant. Remember, our loyalty should ultimately be pledged to God first because out of that healthy, growing relationship with him will flow the wisdom and insight to choose the people who are supposed to be in our lives. Then we go back to Ruth and in the first chapter, uh, uh, first uh, couple of verses, we see the story of what happened with uh, Ruth and her husband. They talk about the famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. He, his wife, and his two sons. The name of the man was Imelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And they talk about them and, 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 and Imelech dying and left her with her sons. But they were in the land of promise. So if God has led them there, regardless of the famine, they weren't supposed to leave. I guess this is a, a lesson for me because as I come back to my people, to my land, there's a family for Ron Thomas. And then I go for an interview and there's a job in Huntsville, Alabama. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> I interviewed for a job on Friday in Fresno. Mm. <laughs> but if God brought me here, even in the midst of the famine, 
Why am I going to try and change it and go someplace else? Because I think there's food in another land. And honest ask for yourself, what has been my temporary fix to escape difficulty? But now it's become a new way of living. See, for me, it would have been going and moving to a new place. And then that would be my new situation of living. But we're not just talking about those. We're talking about those temporary fixes where you ever see a documentary where you have the drug dealer, drug users, that talk about when they became hooked, they had made it, well, it was, I'll just try it for now, but uh, I will never do this. And then they find themselves that they become so strung out that all of a sudden, in order to get a fix, requires them to do that. And then if we're, uh, further along, they got to do more than that. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in a world of doing things that they never thought that they would do. Selling their bodies to get that high. A temporary fix to escape difficulty. But now they're living that way all the time. That's an honest ask for yourself. What has been your temporary fix to escape difficulty? What has been the temporary fix to escape difficult people in your lives? Is it to drink? Is it to smoke? Is it to curse people out? Is it to sit back and just take uh, the, the, the verbal abuse because you're afraid to deal with the confrontation? Your new way of living will change your loyalty to God. And because that changes, you can no longer evaluate yourself or any relationship because it is no longer rooted in a healthy relationship with the Father. Without the relationship with the Father, you have no wisdom. And when you have no wisdom, you make bad choices. Ask yourself, what has been my temporary fix to escape difficulty? We've got difficult children. Difficult spouses, difficult bosses, difficult neighbors, difficult family members, difficult financial situations. You see movies talk about this all the time. It's a reality for some that when they, a man loses his job, then he takes to the street to start hustling. Then the hustle becomes what brings food onto the table. Then the hustle becomes the main thing yeah I know I'm not supposed to be stealing this but I know I'm not supposed to be out here selling this but and then the people who benefit from it you know you shouldn't be doing it I remember the the first time I saw my real, real drug dealer at the rhodium swap meet. He was with his mom. He's there with the Turkish rope gold chain. He remember the Turkish rope. <laughs> Had a TI sweatsuit on. And she's sitting there, and you can look at her and tell, she knew better. She knew what he was doing. But she was decked out with gold and diamonds on every finger. The money that was coming in was only at first supposed to be a temporary thing. I'm just going to pay the bills. But then it became a regular way of life, a new way of living, breaking the law. So what do we do with these, these people? What, how are you dealing with your friends, your circle, your sphere of influence? Who are these people that you consider to be loyal? Are they loyal to you or not? Two things for you. First. Your circle of friends can be small. You don't have to have 
30 people in your life. You can be, build your circle one loyal friend at a time. In Mark 3, chapter 13 through 19, we read that a part of it, and uh, Jesus picked 12 disciples. 12 people, they named them specifically. Peter, Simon, who was called Peter and his brother. And, and it goes on and on, the people, and even down to verse 19, it said, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then at one point, it was three in Luke three, uh, Luke 9, chapter 28. The group of people he trusted dropped down from the 12 to the 3. Peter, James, and John, the word says that he took them to the high place. When he went to pray, I got 12 people who were my friends, but only three of them I can trust. Then in John 19, 25 through 27, it dropped down to one. Jesus was on the cross. And when he's sitting there nailed to the cross, dying for our sins, the 12 boys are sitting, we with you, we are A1, bro. You ride or die. Peter was the main one shooting off his mouth. I don't know why you picked the rest of these guys because I'm going to be with you to the end. But when Jesus needed them, when he was on the cross hanging, bleeding, and dying for our sins, he looked down and there was only John. You ever think about these people in your life that you have? That if you really need them, when you are nailed to a cross, are your whole circle of friends going to be there for you? Are you disappointed? The first time you call and you can't get an answer goes directly to voicemail. Or, or better yet, when the, when the phone rings two or three times and then it goes to voicemail because they looked at the phone and saw your number and hit ignore. You always know when it does that because it's either going to go straight to voicemail when the phone is off. It's going to ring forever if they're on another call or just not answering and then eventually go to voicemail. But it rings two or three times to go to voicemail. They didn't saw your name. Ignore. Remember, Ruth said, where you go, I go. Where you die, I die. Have you ever said that to somebody to that degree? Or has anybody committed that much to you? Ruth, her name meant companion and friend. Isn't it funny that names always mean something? Yeah. What's the name? I always, I, I can't understand why people just now just make up stuff. A name has meaning. Yes. Ruth means companion and friend. And Ruth's personal friendship goal was to be loyal, but not to expect to demand loyalty. She was loyal before. Be, remember, be what you expect. She was being loyal, but wasn't expecting anything in return. Ruth decided to follow a guy she didn't know because she loved Naomi into an uncertain future among potentially hostile strangers. Think about these people who are coming here to the United States and deciding they want to be here to make a better life for themselves. But we have this whole group of people who are now being flames, being ignited and fanned because they don't worship the same God we believe in. Because some people, or as, as, as a, a colleague of mine, well, I'm going to call him a colleague, an acquaintance of mine who was in the military, who lived over in the Middle East, and he sees them and talks all the time about how, how much these people want to, to kill America. They want to change America. They want everything to be their way. And I, I, want to keep, I want to say to him 
there's a difference from a people who are in an occupied territory than someone who leaves this but still holds on to their faith. But Ruth basically is going to a whole new place where she could face hostility and living among hostile strangers. But because of her loyal character, God directed her to the right place at the right time. Because she was loyal. If she had been like Orpah, she would have never been there. I mean, we know in the end result, she ends up marrying Boaz, and they become the grandparents of David, who David is the royal line of where we have Jesus. Who is in your circle? Second and last point, be loyal to the right people for the right reason. On Pinterest, they had a quote there, something wrong with your character if opportunity controls your loyalty. You know those people. We call them users. I'm loyal to you as long as I got something I can get from you. As long as the money's flowing, as long as you're popular... (laughs) I've seen it with people who I know that have made it in the music industry and while they was in the music industry, every time you say they ain't got no time for you, they got time for everybody else and everybody famous is hanging around them until nobody wants to use them anymore. Now they can only post on Facebook with the hashtag of these people's friends because they're no longer directly in contact with them. That's the only way you could hashtag it. You can't be, I'm not Facebook friends with you anymore. I don't want to be Facebook friends with you you anymore because you're nobody. There's something wrong with your character if opportunity controls loyalty. Opportunists are nothing more than self-seekers, self-preservers, and there is no room for selfishness in a loyal relationship. How can I be focused on me and loyal to you at the same time. How can you be loyal to me if all you're concerned with what you get? Who is sucking you dry? Whether it's for money, whether it's for emotional support, whether it's just for being around you because there's something that they gain by being in your presence. Look at Orpah. Orpah left Naomi, Ruth stayed. Orpah's name means neck or fawn. I don't know where they got fawn from. But the neck part <coughs> is, is critical. She came from a land of idol worshipers. She did not know or, uh, or worship the one true living God. And she had no character commitment to anything other than her own self-comfort. Ruth is, I mean, Naomi's saying, I'm going back to this land that, had, that was in famine. They left there because there was no famine. But she's going back. And Orpah's I ain't going back. The honest ask, who are the opportunists in your circle? Who's only there for the comfort? But let's talk about Orpah again. Everybody knows Oprah Winfrey was named after her, right? Her name is not Oprah. Her name is actually Orpah. But people pronounced it wrong, so they just left it as that. But if you look up her up, her name is listed as Orpah. But we just talked about names, why people choose these names for people. So it's, it's no wonder you see people choose people names like Ruth and Hannah, Elizabeth and Mary, Peter, John, Michael. I mean, those are some good names, right? You name your daughter Orpah. 
But if that just says it means neck or fawn, but if you dig deeper, like I always do, the, the ancient Hebrew uh, uh, legend says that they, the neck, uh, because it doesn't translate properly, it has to do with the turning of the back. That Orpah literally turns her neck away from Naomi. That when her parents named her Orpah, they were destining her to uh, turn her back on someone. Which also kind of makes you think. I'm no fan of Oprah Winfrey, but uh, it kind of makes you think. Here's a woman literally has turned her back on God. The people are like, no, 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 she's religious. No, she ain't. Oh, no, let me rephrase that. She might be religious, but she does not serve the one true and living God. She has turned her back on everything that she knew herself. Why would your parents, of all the names, you're going to give the biblical name. They could have named her Ruth. They could have named her Hannah. They could have named her Elizabeth, Mary. They named her Orpah, the one who was going to turn their back. What does that say for the people who love her so much? Is she going to turn their back on all of us? That's just a side note, just something to think about. Who are the opportunists in your circle? Who are the people that are there, that are always there? You, you know the ones, they, they show up at, at, at all the, 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 get the dinners and never bring anything? <laughs> if it wasn't for the family gathering, you wouldn't see them. They always got a to-go plate, but they didn't bring nothing with them. Uh, these people, every time you talk about um, going out to dinner, they pop, all of a sudden they know where you're having dinner and they're there with you at Benihana, Red Lobster and all those places. Ordering the most expensive thing on the menu and a drink too. When we have our friends, our friends are supposed to be loyal companions that are supposed to be walking with us together. This is what we aspire to in our relations with each other, marriages, that we are walking together, that you are loyal to me and I am loyal to you. There has to be a common core of beliefs, a common set of values to achieving lasting, meaningful friendships. If we don't have this, anything we're doing is just a waste of time. So we have to ask, another honest ask, what is the basis, the foundation, or the core set of beliefs that qualifies a person to be within my circle? Ask yourself that question. I mean, we never want to be the type of people who exclude anyone. I don't want to exclude anyone from anything, but if you can't walk with me and you can't hang with me in this area of my life, then you really can't be with me in the other parts. Amen. You know, it's, I'd love sometimes, well, I don't love it. I, I think that sometimes I, I fantasize about the old days, the old run and where I used to be, but I had to let that go. And if you only want to hang out with me for the old run, then we can't roll anymore. Because that part is gone. What's, what's happening now is a new thing. And if you want that part of this, you don't have that same foundation, that same core value. It ain't going to work. How, how do you have parents, one parent, is go, uh, being strict and another parent is letting loose. If we're not together in this thing, our children are going to be jacked up. I can't hold my son to the fire if my wife is going to let him do whatever he want to do. That's when we get that playing one against the other. See, management teams are the same thing. Some managers are nice, other managers are mean. Dysfunctional workforce. 
Our homes are dysfunctional because one parent is nice, one parent is me. Our, our groups, our, our spheres of influence are, are jacked up because we're, one person's going this way and other people are going that way. But we still hang out with these people even though we, there's something clashing. Why are we there? What, what, why do we allow these people in our circle of influence? And if you are trying to transform and be different, you have to ask yourself, what is there that qualifies this person to be a part of my circle? And if they're not part of it, we got to do something. Because remember, our loyalty should ultimately be pledged to God first. First. As a member of my fraternity, I remember when we went through and, and, and went through the whole initiation and the whole thing about pledging this and this, that, and other thing to this organization. But the fact of the matter is that organization does not take priority in my life. I'll take some pictures and post them on Facebook. I'll show up to the meetings. I'll sponsor some events and some people. But it does not take priority in my life. Loyalty is ultimately pledged to God first. First, and from there, the healthy, growing relationships with him, then I will get wisdom to choose the right people. Let's look, look at a different example. Acts chapter 4, 18 through 21. This is Peter and... Um, uh, boy, I'm drawing a blank. Peter and John, I believe. It says, so they called them and commanded them to appear to speak. Uh, commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus, Peter and John, answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak things which we have seen and heard. So when they had uh, further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them, because the people, since they all glorified God, what had been done. Our loyalty should ultimately be pledged to God first. Peter and John said... Is it right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God? They pledged their loyalty first to God. This is a situation, this is in Acts chapter 4. If you go back to Acts chapter 3, there's a man sitting at the gate, they call the gates beautiful, who was crippled. Forty years he's sitting at the gate, begging for money. And when Peter and John walk past him, they ask him to have mercy and give him some money. Peter said those famous words, silver and gold I have not, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And because they healed this man, people were getting all up in arms and excited about what Jesus was doing. Who is this Jesus? Jesus has already been crucified and dead, but they want to know what is going on. These guys have something. What are they a part of? And then they get uh, brought in and the police bring them in and they're questioning them and they're telling them, you're not supposed to talk about Jesus anymore. But Peter says, we're loyal. We are loyal to God. I failed him once before. I told him I'd never leave him, that he, I would be with him to death. And I failed him that first time, but Jesus told me that when this would happen, he said that when I faith, my faith failed, he prayed that I would come back and encourage the brothers. So now I can't turn my back on him anymore. You ever find that when you fail sometimes, that strengthens your resolve for the next time so that I say, realize this is what it takes and I can't do it again. All right, all right. <laughs> You've seen it. I know I can't speak for everybody else, but I know there have been times that I made my mom cry. And I said, I ain't ever doing this again. I'm not going to fail this woman again because she, 
trusted me. Peter said, we're not turning our back on God this time. I'm not turning my back. I'm loyal to him. But see, here's the thing. They, 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 they couldn't do anything to him because, because of the people. The people. Because their loyalty was to God first. And because they had that real healthy relationship with God, they had the wisdom to choose the right people for themselves. And so what ends up happening is we go into verse 23 to 24a. He said, and let go, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them so that when they heard that, they raised their voices to God with one accord. Remember, we said, where does the core foundation, the set of beliefs that your, your sphere of influence, your circle, what do they have? And one accord, and they said, Lord, you are God. All because they were ultimately pledged to God first. They were brought up on charges. But the Sanhedrin couldn't let them go. Or couldn't punish them. Because if they punished them, the people would have gone off. But these are the people that they chose now. But it started with their loyalty to God. Who are the people in your influence, your sphere of influence, and your circle? Can you worship and praise God on one accord? Or is it just them and you? Or you and them? In Ruth, verse, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Then they lifted up their voices. This is when... Naomi says goodbye to Orpah and, and Ruth. She's trying to get rid of them. Says, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Where you die, I will die. Ruth clung to her. So when you think about your, your friendship goals, the people who you consider your friends, your ride or die, remember Jesus chose Judas too. Are you choosing Judas or are you choosing Ruth? Is Ruth what you aspire to or just Judas? That's only there for, for the fame, for the glory, for the money, for the power, for the food, whatever it is, who are you choosing? But it starts like Peter and John. Loyalty ultimately to God first. No longer playing this, this game we've been playing. We keep talking about transformation. No more playing this church as it used to be. No more playing religion like it used to be. No more playing like I'm a Christian like I always did. I'm pledging ultimately to God first. Yes, yes. Developing a strong, healthy relationship with him that gives me the wisdom to choose the people in my life. Even if I choose a Judas, that would mean that God needs him for a purpose. Judas had a purpose. If it wasn't for Judas, no one would have sold Jesus out. Judas had to do his what he was designed to do. 
And so we might choose these people that others will look at as bad, but God has a purpose for them. And you can trust that even when somebody stabs you in the back, that if you are committed yourself to God first, that you had the wisdom to choose your particular Judas. And hopefully it'll just be one and not everybody who's in your group. Because there are some people that got to tell you every time you see, you know who I'm talking about. You see them and ain't nobody good for them. Start transforming the way you're thinking, the way you're living, and the way you're acting. Committing yourself to God first. Amen? Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and we praise you. We give your name glory and honor for being our God. We thank you, Lord, for the example of Ruth, of showing what it means to be dedicated and loyal to people. But it all starts with being dedicated and loyal to you first, choosing you to be our God. That's what Ruth did. She said, your God will be my God. I know I was raised a certain way, but I'm letting go of what I was raised as because this God, the one true and living God, is the truth. It starts with that, Lord. So we ask that you put in our hearts that whether we've been playing church for 30 years, whether we've been playing around for two years, let it end today. Help us, God, to see you for who you are, that we are loyal and pledge ourselves to you first. That from that healthy and growing relationship that we develop with you, that we gain wisdom and insight. Not just to choose the people to be in our lives, but also to influence those who are in our lives. Help our circles to expand. We'll start with one, but we want it to grow, that we can be a greater influence and light in your world. We thank you and we love you. For it is in your son Jesus Christ's name that we do pray and believe. Amen.